Good evening, gambling men and women, and welcome to Slow Motion Triple Feature, a podcast in which three friends watch three movies over the course of three weeks. Each month, a different friend will select a different triple feature for their friends to enjoy and discuss. Slow Motion Triple Feature is one of the many fine podcasts brought to you by the American Friend Institute. I'm your host, Mike Keller, and I'm joined today by my good friends, Kit and Andrew. Tonight, we are finishing off our big Kit triple feature with Andrew's pick, 1965's The Cincinnati Kid, starring Steve McQueen, Edward G. Robinson, and Margaret and Tuesday Weld, with a screenplay written by Ring Lardner Jr. and Terry Southern, uh, based on the novel by Richard Jessup, and directed by almost by Sam Peckinpah, but then it was ah. directed in the last minute by Norman Jewison. So I, think that's, I think that's the right choice. I agree. I can't really pick. I, I'm not a huge Peckinpah fan. I like some of his films, but I'm not like a. Yeah, I don't like. I don't, I, I, I don't like all of them, but like I think most of his movies are they're they're specific to him, right? Like he he's got a he's got a style, right? I think. Um, yeah, and it sounded like on the Wikipedia there were some fairly major changes that Jewison made. Um, yeah. Well, the it seems like black and white versus color. And, Seems like there's a couple of stories about why Peck and Pop was fired. Like, oh yeah, overall that you know they saw the dailies and they didn't like them. Oh, he was shooting. Um, was he gonna... was he was shooting yes. it already. Yes, oh. they lost five hundred thousand oh, okay. dollars. Oh wow, fuck. Um, with an all star cast, so they had fired the director when they had like an all star cast. So it was really expensive. Um, oh shit. But one of the things I read again, I think this was on IMDb. So like, who fucking knows? Was that he was shooting a scene of like a girl being like stimulated by a vibrator (laughs) and they were like no let's not you know what do that (laughs) you know this movie is pretty raunchy i think so i'm starting to kind of see it a little bit more like just big old big old titties on display like it's it's pretty surprising i think it was going to be a lot grittier, a lot, you know, black and white, a lot more realistic, I think, or Sam Peckinpah's, like, version of yeah. realism. Yeah. Um, but, Where would yeah. there have been a lady with a vibrator? I can't even That's picture, what I don't like, know. And I also think, again, this is IMDb, so who knows? But the sure, way yeah, that yeah. they said it was, like, that Peckinpah actually wanted to, like, take that vibrator out and make it just, like, manual stimulation or something like that. And they were pit- that's what they were pissed about. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. Um, it's weird. It's hard to see that scene fitting in here anywhere, even though I think you're right. Like, Anne Margaret's playing a huge slut. And, you know, there's some... Sluts are always just whipping out their vibrators <laughs> in poker games. It, it feels really, like, on the edge, this movie of, like being very contemporary but then also like one foot in like very old fashioned yeah in a way especially since it's like you know carl malden and edward g robinson and and joan blondell and and cab calloway like all these people from the 30s i had no idea that was cab calloway until the credits rolled and i was like what the fuck cab calloway's in this movie well to this movie's credit uh, i did it did not feel like a movie to me or maybe it would have if i'd noticed or i'd known this prior going in but like i it did not feel like a movie that uh fired its director and got a new one no 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 it definitely seemed well put together good for norman jewison well i guess so we're we're already off to a great start with all of this internet hearsay. Uh-huh. But uh, Andrew, you had not seen the film. That's why no. you picked it for this no. one. Kit, had you seen the film? No, I have actually okay. never seen a Steve McQueen film. 
Whoa! Really? <laughs> Whoa! I don't, here's the thing. I know he was like late 50s too, but like I really don't watch a lot of movies from the 60s and the 70s. Okay. It's just like See, I, I watch before and I watch after. <laughs> I, 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 but yeah. I mean, I, I get that, like, especially like American cinema, like, okay, the seventies obviously is, that's crazy, but that's, that's you. But yeah, like, I was going to say, I watch a lot from the seventies. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like the, one of the greatest eras in cinema period, but the sixties were, as I understand it, pretty fucking bad. Like a lot of horrible movies. Like in terms you... of the industry. Yeah. Yes. And, but, but you got a few, you got a few outliers and this is definitely one of, and Steve McQueen was. Uh, a man of quality. Um, one of my favorite things about Steve McQueen is that he was not precious about his lines, and um, he would famously like rem- have like just get rid of them, get rid of as many lines as you can. Um, and even in this movie, like he doesn't, he's not a heavy talker. Um, and that I think Supposedly- part of that is. Sorry, just to that, supposedly he told, I can't remember if he told Peckinpah or Jewison, or the screenwriter even, but he said something like, I'm better walking than talking. <laughs> 100% true. That's a man who knows who knows his worth. And a part of it, I think, is like building a brand, you know, the strong, silent type yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. But, but I also think he's really good in this movie. Um, you know who yeah, he reminded sure. me of? I was thinking about it. He, I think you have a type of actor, and maybe you won't agree with this at all. But he really was reminding me of Mel Gibson at times sure. in this. Totally. Totally. Oh. Um, absolutely. Um, yeah, but th- there there are like a few like really good Steve McQueen movies that I think like everyone should watch. And this I had never seen this one before, but this this is on the list. The Blob? Yes. And Towering Inferno. I mean, <laughs> well, the Towering Inferno, no. But that's a fun that's a fun movie. Like if you want to yeah, no, I like both those movies. Yeah. If you want to watch a, a big fun movie, watch it. The blob is stupid, but also like fun. Um, but like he is he's very good in this. He's very good in Papillon. Um, I love the getaway, and I think I think Bullet is so fucking good, and I think he's incredible in it. Um yeah, well, there's Magnificent Seven. Absolutely, Great Escape. I, I'm I'm thinking so, I mean, more just like specific. I'm a little surprised. Kid hasn't seen any of these films. If I think I've of seen, you as a person, I think I might have seen The Great Escape. Okay. Um, I don't remember it, and I don't in my mind it does not register as like I've seen a Steve McQueen movie, but I yeah. feel like I yeah. probably saw that at some point. Um, but certainly in my adulthood, I've never, um watch with. I, I actually like I can't even pick when I think of the Magnificent Seven I like can't even picture him being in it I swear to God yeah it's more of a Yul, Yul Brenner sort of th- affair yeah but... and I'm all about Yul Brenner so sure sure so I, I think I think Steve McQueen has a reputation as like a guy who's plastered on like uh dorm room walls you know mm-hmm. Um. so I think he just I think people forget that like a very compelling guy to watch um and he's beautiful so that helps it was interesting sorry go ahead go ahead no no go ahead he also reminded me of michael keaton but that might just be visually i could see that yeah, yeah. i can totally see that for sure almost like just the hair in this movie and yeah. the michael keaton's haircut yeah but I think you guys, have you ever is, seen I the think... paper no you guys should watch the paper. I watched it the other okay. day. It's it's a Ron Howard movie from like the mid nineties with Michael Keaton. And it's like, it's ridiculous. Kind of like, like that. 
a newspaper would be so serious or something, but mm-hmm. it was really good. Like it was surprisingly very, very good. And your girl, uh, Glenn is in it. So yeah. But, yeah, I'll watch this. Anyhow, I've never even I'd, heard of this. It's wow, good. This it's, looks it's, yeah, so Ron Howard. Silly. <laughs> it's, it is, it is, but it was still like somehow very like, uh, I guess maybe because I went in with low expectations, which I'm not saying it's the greatest movie ever, but I was just like, I was really into it. It almost reminded me of like an Aaron Sorkin uh, yeah. thing. It was good. I like it looks like a Anyways. very ex- extinct kind of movie that was extremely common in like, exactly. the 80s and the 90s. Yes, exactly. Oh, it was written by David Kep and his brother, Stephen Kep. See, wow. and I'm, I'm there's lately I've like really liked a handful of movies. This is, I say lately, but over the last like three or four years, I'll see a movie and I'll be like, man, that was really fucking good. And then I'll look it up and David Kep was involved in some way. And I'm like, okay. Well, he's written a lot of really good. Keep an eye out for Kep. He wrote fucking yeah, Jurassic well, yeah, Mission Park. Impossible and, yeah. He's, yeah, he's one of the greats. For sure. He, but he's, uh, he's, he's also got a lot of minor stuff in his filmography, like stuff that you probably haven't heard of. Oh, or, yeah, for sure. You know, that kind of stuff. And so, anyways, um, sorry. I'm very tired today, so I may be a little scattershot. But, uh, we were talking about, I can't remember why the paper came. Oh, Michael Keaton and Steve McQueen's hair. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yes. So there's a lot about McQueen in Tarantino's new book or book from last year. Um, oh, I just got that. But yeah, he's kind of like. I gotta read that. I've seen, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. Cool. Um, but yeah, I've seen a lot of his stuff, but he's never like, other than the getaway. Because I, I like, I thought The Great Escape was good, but it's definitely kind of like we were saying about 60s movies don't always click with us they like it is it does feel kind of slower in moments and stuff but anyways the getaway is the one i saw where i was like yes i see why this guy was so cool and then i think i saw bullet after i saw the getaway yeah and again i you think ca- you kind of see why he was an icon i think the getaway is capitalizing on the cool of frank bullet that's what i think so i i yeah, I, 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 totally I, I like sense. it it's very fun and very stylish and i think it's a good movie with good performances a good like you know kind of caper action movie um yeah. but i don't think it's like a super serious movie um but i think yeah i think definitely like bullet and um uh fucking papillon you know that he had to have a fight in this movie like he required it yeah like it was huh. part of his like contracts that's why there's that pretty like brutal fight it's a good fight that was pretty beginning. good it's a good one with the with the razor yeah i thought mm-hmm. that was i thought that was pretty yeah. dope to be honest you know, it's kind of weird, too, because like I felt sort of bored by the first maybe half of this movie. And really, until they get to the him, him versus Edward G. Robinson. Interesting. That's that's I love Edward G. Robinson. He, like, he's he's great. He's one of my faves. Yeah, in this yeah. movie. He, Such a great I think character. This, I think it's yeah. one of his best performances that I've seen, which like is far from like his complete filmography and then i was reading and he also says it's his best performance mm-hmm. really he says it's his best performance because he was playing himself it was the character he played that was the most like him and he seems to me again not a full edward g robinson like not fully knowledgeable about his filmography but like i've seen a number of his movies he seems so different in this from like other i mean yes it's still like you know I mean, he's known for playing like gangsters and heavies. This guy's not a gangster. He's just like so elegant and kind of, I don't know, gentlemanly, but still intimidate. It's, it's really, really, really good. Yeah. I, I loved him. Well, and he does a very good job of 
So as the game kind of goes on and then they have interactions outside the game, like it becomes a plot. I mean, it becomes kind of like a, a thing of like, they're still playing each other psychologically, yeah. you know, outside of the game. And he's very good in, in this. He's very good at like you, you, you're, you're watching it. You're like, he's just kind of a sweet old guy. I hope he wins this because mm-hmm. this could be, you know, this is his legacy. This could be his last shot. And then you're kind of like, Oh, like, and then he'll like do something that's like vaguely sinister. And you're like, ah, oh, he's playing like he's playing McQueen still. Like, um, he's trying to manipulate him or something, yeah. but he's but, like very, so yeah. He's very, I liked this movie. I felt like the characters, I think the re, the main reason that this feels more modern is like the characters are really complex. Like there's yes. no yes. bad guy. I mean, like Rip Torn's pretty bad, but like even he, ha, you know, yeah. he's not like evil. He's just like, he's mad. And he even admits kind of like, yeah, I'm wound. I'm mad that he beat me. You know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he, he's kind of like open about, yeah, I'm like, uh, my pride's hurt or whatever. Um, also, I've never seen Rip Torn that young before. Mean, I know, neither. It was, it was I was so like, who is weird. that guy? It's so weird. So, okay. So I watched The Man Who Fell to Earth like a week ago mm-hmm. and he's in it. And like that to me is like when rip torn was born like the 70s when movies started to get weird when he could show his dick and do lots of drugs right like 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 rip torn and being in movies that show his dick like that doesn't being in a movie where he doesn't show his dick it's either men in black or it doesn't exist like it's so it's so weird seeing him in like a more like buttoned up studio film and this movie's not even that buttoned up but it's bizarre I think he's awesome in this too. I do too. I think he's great. He has he's a really like, good like actor. the scene where he has the kids on his lap. Yes. Um, I'm just like, yeah, this feels like almost like I don't know, David Lynch scary or something. It's like he he's he's and they're apparently. I wonder. I don't know much about him, but like, I wonder if he had the reputation as a crazy guy already by this point because apparently. Like, the studio heads, like, really didn't want to cast, or whoever, the producers, whoever, like, they did not want to cast Rip Torn, but they told them to cast a Rip Torn type, just not Rip Torn. And I'm like, maybe because he was already a big fucking, everyone knew he was a big fucking weirdo. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, but he's great in this. It's just, like, it's like he shouldn't have existed, you're right, like, before, like, at this time, he shouldn't. And he looks, yeah, he's he's beautiful, but he looks very different to me. So, okay, I was confused for a second. I looked at, so he was in Maidstone. He's the one that fights Norman Mailer. Yes. In that, that weird, yeah, okay. Because I was trying to think, I was like, I know he's got a weird, a reputation as a weirdo, but I, I don't know that I've ever seen his wiener in movies, and so I didn't know what you were talking about. Oh, yeah, full, but, full uh, on. And it's like, huh. yeah, it's weird, because it's like, there's, it's in a movie where they show lots of dicks. And uh-huh. every which movie are you talking about? The man who fell to earth. A lot of dicks, a lot of tits, a lot of bush in that movie. I don't remember any dicks in that movie. Oh That's my weird. man! Just well, sw- I don't take notes. Swinging. You know, this present. is like a. You're not well, Mr. Skin. A pet cause of Andrews is to see wieners in movies. <laughs> I think it's oh. I because it's so infrequent that when you finally see no, a dick, I, no, it's no, like no, there's yeah, a dick. It's right there. 
Um, that is true. <laughs> Andrew loves to see a wiener in a movie. I do. He really does. I genuinely like, do. Yeah. Yes. So there's a yeah. there's a bunch of dicks in that movie, and the, the and I think one thing that's very cool about Rip Torn is he has the smallest dick in that movie by by a long huh. by a mile. He's got the smallest dick. Is he soft? <laughs> Somebody has a mile long dick in that. All movie? the dicks. All the dicks are soft. There's no there's no hard dicks. Okay. Well, we don't know. You don't know. Yeah. I think if you have know, a hard dick, it's an X. I know we don't know Isn't for sure, true? but like we got. I'm just saying, there's some there's some good sized hogs in this movie, and I got a I got a pretty good feeling that um, they get even bigger. So does Bowie have a? Do you yeah, see you Bowie's see a little wiener? bit of Bowie hog. Now I I got to I'd have to walk. Bowie's wiener I would think would be small. I think I just, it'd be big. He seems like a guy. It was pretty average. Wiener. I felt. Okay. But, but no, I wouldn't but, say average. Know, bigger, we're bigger, talking, bigger than average. We're talking average. flaccid penises here. I know, I know, is, I know. It's not fair to measure. Now flaccid, here's the thing. You know. So I watched the scene with D- Bowie's penis. Like I did, ha- I watched. I watched it and I'd have to watch it again to be sure because I was like looking for the cuts. Like I was looking for like, uh-huh. where's the edit where the stand in gets in? Cause there's no Bottom way double, David Bowie's yeah. showing his dick, but then they, there's a little pan up and you, it appears that you see his dick. <laughs> so. Don't we see like Bruce Willis's penis in, uh, uh, yeah. Last color man of Sta- night. Yeah. Color of night. And in the last man standing, he's got a, a awesome like shootout. Um, where he he's naked. He's he like he like rolls in like does like a a floor roll with two guns and his dicks hanging out and he guns. <laughs> That's crazy. It's fucking. That's awesome. actually I was gonna say that a nude action scene is something. Bro, I that there's I've so seen. many of them. Come on, um, Red Freaking, Heat, uh, Eastern Promises. Yeah, Eastern Promises. That's a famous one. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. The, which copied Red Heat with Arnold Schwarzenegger minus the loincloth. Um, it's weird that wieners don't register with bro. Me. Like, fucking term- I would- both Terminator movies, three. Well, you see his butt. You don't see his wiener. Though. That's true. You do well. You see a little top dick in in T three. You see a little top yeah. dick. Well, yeah, there's T3. like in T three. T three. There's a there's a there's you see Bush and maybe the 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 the, the, the kind of like base a, of the stock. Is it actually Arnold or is it yes, like Arnold, Arnold looking oh, like a T? Okay. That's it's weird. It's well, let's hundred percent bring push. it back around town. Okay, and let's get back to the Cincinnati kid. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I do think it's interesting that he is called the Cincinnati kid. Um, he's thirty five years old. I'm thirty five, so I guess he's supposed to be younger. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 not a chance. That does he reads his he reads his forties, and he's <laughs> and he's in his thirties. He's my age. Yeah. I mean, it's just like he's. My age. It's fucking nuts that they call him a Cincinnati kid. It is weird. Um, Maybe he not. got that nickname when he was in his 20s. Stuck. Yeah, I mean, presumably, yeah. I guess. No, that's not. It's in the novel or novella or whatever. It's definitely supposed to be like a younger guy. <laughs> and it was, I read that it was widely believed that Steve McQueen was too old for the part. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably <laughs> fair. Maybe just call it the Cin- think- Cincinnati guy. You know? Well, he's yeah. dating when Tuesday Weld, a... who's 22. So, uh oh, nice. <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a problem though that he seems oldish because yes. it's like Edward G. Robinson is supposed to be like yes. his twilight years, and then this is supposed to be the kid coming up. So, I think that actually that was something that until just now I hadn't really thought of, but it, it did slightly bother me about the movie. Um, but it's also not, I don't think it's like that big of a deal. I think that's why, I think that's part of, I think they try when they, what he's wearing, the suit and stuff that he's wearing to the final game, he looks like the least cool that Steve McQueen 
can look. I yeah. think they're trying to make him look like, oh, this guy's not used to wearing a suit because he's a kid. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's got like this. Also, it must be said. So I was very excited at the beginning of the movie. I didn't know it was like set in New Orleans. That oh, was yeah. really awesome. Very fun. Um, and it was right after this that Easy Rider shot in those cemeteries. And so they said, you cannot shoot in these cemeteries anymore <laughs> because oh, the oh, writer wait. had so much like controversy. Um, you need like the archdiocese permission or whatever. But um, okay. they so and then I'm like, oh, this is this is definitely like the 20s or 30s, just based on like the production design in that scene. Like, you can kind of tell, oh, it seems like it's supposed to be. I don't know where Steve McQueen got that jacket in that time period, but, like, okay. Yeah. And then it, like, it gets so bad by the time we're at. It's so weird. Like, and it's it's at its most egregious in the 60s, honestly. The styling of the women. Sure, There's, like, yeah. not even the slightest fucking attempt to make Anne Margaret's hair look like something that could ever plausibly be in the 30s. It's like, and, and why? Why? Why, why, it, why do that? <laughs> why have it be in the 30s at all? There's nothing in this movie that's like, no, very 30. There's yeah. a bunch of thir- There's a bunch of cars from the 30s. That's about it. Like New Orleans looks exactly yeah, you, the same. So there's, yeah, <laughs> you kind of forget. I mean, because it's just poker. It's not like yeah. I think like in Peck know. and Paw's version, like the backdrop of the Depression was much more important. He had like stuff okay. about like striking union workers and stuff like that. Um. But yeah, here it's like just make it the '60s. Then yeah, or yeah, just yeah, whenever. Um, yeah, that's weird. That's weird. I I I found myself asking those same questions. Why are we here? Why are we in the '30s? It doesn't. I doubt that train he freaking runs over is uh from the '30s. I don't think. I think it just looks like a fucking normal train. Very you know? weird. Um, I actually, how do we know this is the thirties? Like, I know we know from the Wikipedia, but does it have like a, a title card that says no, 1934? It's just like, it's okay. the, it's the, honestly, the cars are the biggest tell. Yeah. Um, okay. That makes sense. Cause yeah, I was like, I knew it was a different period, but I don't know that I, like, I never, I don't think anything like connected it to the depression in my head. It like, should have, though, honestly, probably, like because that underscores the, the career path that he has chosen. Right. Yeah. Um, and, the you know, there's a lot of like wealth disparity in the movie. But honestly, when you go to Rip Torn's house, it's like, well, this could be like the 1880s. I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, right. right. You know? Oh, that was something. That character in his mansion reminded me of... Uh, What's his name? Leonardo DiCaprio's character yes. in uh, Django, Cal- yeah. Calvin Candy. Yeah. Sure. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I just got like very strong vibes of that, and I was like, I bet, like, I don't know. I'm sure that was in Tarantino's yeah. mind on some level. I do, but, I uh, do feel like this movie. Just jumping off of that, I feel like this movie has had like a ton of influence on yeah. these types. Now, I think obviously the Hustler too. But just like mm-hmm. these these like billiards movies where they have they like got their own kind of language. I'm thinking specifically of uh, the Matt Damon uh, Rounders mo- Rounders, which I fucking yeah. I love Rounders. I feel like I watch it every time on a, I'm on an airplane for more than four hours for whatever reason. <laughs> um, and I think it's just it's just like I, I like movies that like 
have their own like shorthand that you know they mm-hmm. pull from real life and i'm sure embellish you know like crazy but it just like it it's fun to get dropped into like a very lived in world um and you know also be able to follow along but like you're kind of in the middle where it's like okay i think that means that you know you're kind of like pulling context and sort of figuring it out and um mm-hmm. i don't know i find that to be a lot of fun um I think it is hard in this movie because now maybe this is because we've grown up in the world of like Texas Hold'em. Although I learned like five card when I was a kid, but five card stud is a very (laughs) different, it's a kind of a baffling way of playing poker to like understand. I feel like other versions I under I get that like it feels like maybe this is all wrong. I'm not like a poker expert, but like it definitely distills the game entirely down to bluffing, which is what poker is like supposed to be. But it's like you can see four out of five of your opponent's cards. Like everybody knows what everybody is doing. Like sometimes in Texas Hold'em, like you may think a guy's going for this, but he could be going for this. In this, it's like we all know what you're doing. You're either lying or you're not lying, <laughs> and it's like it's it's so and the betting is also like very complicated in in five card. Um, so I found I found that I loved the acting in that scene. But in terms of like the sports movie like thing, it was just very hard. <laughs> it's a hard uh, version of poker to follow, I think. Yeah. Well, I so I had no idea what was going on and i never have any idea what's going on in any poker scene ever beyond <laughs> beyond the whether they're bluffing or not i've never have any fucking clue so but i see, feel yeah. it's 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 up to the editing it's up to the you know the the acting like those are the things that are telling me what's happening in the story uh, knowing the game i mean i it i it should be beneficial to somebody who knows the game, but it shouldn't be detrimental to the scene. It does this movie. So, okay. Two things. It's all worth it for that, like music sting and the quick cutting between the eyes at the end. It's love it. Like it's yeah. fucking rad. I loved it. Um, but I also will say this movie falls into like, I hate it. Every fucking movie about poker will be like, the guy wins because he had because they both had fucking phenomenal hands. The oh. odds of them both having that hand in a game are like, you know, three hundred billion to one. <laughs> to one. Um, but like, they both have amazing hands that you'd be crazy to fold over. One just had a slightly higher phenomenal hand, and that just is like, especially if you're going to use five card stud, which is like all about bluffing. It's like. People love in movies to set up poker as this like psychological warfare that really has nothing to do with what cards you have. It's all about being able to read the other guy. I love that shot where um, Edward G. Robinson or the series of shots where Edward G. Robinson is watching Carl Malden shuffle and then he thinks to glance at Steve McQueen and Steve McQueen's just looking at him with those like piercing eyes. That's amazing. And like that's what poker, you know, at that level is. So like why set all that up? And then have the card game be decided by like uh, a ace, you know, like full house and a straight flush. <laughs> it's, it every time the Casino Royale yeah. poker game is the exact same. It, it's like 
that's not how you win poker. Especially so, since they say funny. Edward G. Robinson is like a percentage player and all that. Anyway, it's no, no, that's silly. shooter. That's shooter. That the Edward G. Robinson isn't the. He's not the percentage. Okay, player. shooter's a percentage player. Whatever. Yeah. I think they said the same thing about um, Edward G. Robinson's Lan- character, which was Lancy. Named- I think they did. Lancy. Oh, I, I think they said that about Lancy at one point when they're all at the table. But I might be wrong. I don't maybe, think so because yeah, shooter's at the table um, too. But I was thinking. It's funny you would say all that because uh, I was thinking as the movie was going. First of all, I did not know that five card stud was different than Texas Hold'em was. You know, I've no, I've people have taught me how to play poker like two or three times over my many years, and I, it never sticks. Um, yeah. So, but I was thinking, I was like, well, how does a regular poker game end if it's not like winner take all? Like, surely they don't all end with some huge blowout, and you know, somebody gets like a no. Usually, it's straight like, flush or something. It's just like very it takes a fucking long time for a guy to slowly collect everybody else's money so they do it that way where it's like you basically you're not out of the game until you lose all your money well no you can leave whenever you want and it it depends on what the 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 rules are like like i those guys that it's an okay that game i think had i can't remember what they call it but you can continue to buy in it's an like an open game or something like that right okay um you can you can continue you can just get more money and keep playing. Where like a casino probably wouldn't do that, but you can you know you can do that at your private game. Um, okay. And in poker, you can get up and leave whenever you want. Although sometimes people will be very mad at you if you win most of their money and then don't give them a chance to like win right. it back. Um, but that's what's still what you should do if you want to keep your money is just get up and stop playing. Um, Okay. This kind of game, and it seems like most games that are like tournament style, like this basically was, is you you play until you're you busted and then you leave, um, and last man okay. standing wins. Like that's how. So like at the poker World Series, series of yeah. Poker that's on ESPN, it keeps getting down to fewer and fewer people, and it takes hours and, that, and hours. Okay, but that's kind of like the way that you get out of the game is you either walk away when yeah. it's not awkward to or you just lose everything. And usually they keep um, like raise in Texas Hold'em, they'll keep like raising the blinds and the minimum bet so that you're com- you're more pot committed, like every time someone okay. leaves the table. So that so it so it, it so that it's not just like this, like back endless back and forth. It keeps get like getting harder and harder to get out of the hole if you're in it. OK, that um, makes sense. Yeah. Um, I also thought of you, Kit, during this film, because I've never seen you so perfectly captured in a movie, just like your double, uh, Joan, Joan Blondell is just exactly, uh, I thought you were going to say Anne Margaret. This movie. Well, Lady Fingers, I believe is her name. What'd you say? I thought you were going to say Anne Margaret, when she was laying there being really mean to Carl Mald, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> this looks familiar. <laughs> just like, I loved how she called him, a, just the way that she called him a loser was, was so funny. She just like, she just tosses it off like she said it so many. She's not mad. She's like, you're such, you're a loser. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and I love, I love Carl Malden as an as an actor. He's um, really good in this, yeah. And he, I I know I've seen him in a lot of stuff, but I didn't know. He's just like so cute, and he always plays this kind of character who's just like, kind of an a trying to be a good guy, and he just gets unlucky i mean you've seen oh have you famously not seen streetcar named desire i that's correct i have not seen that okay he's in that um he's in I've on the waterfront baby doll um i haven't seen on the waterfront 
seen One-Eyed Jacks. I used That's to watch Pollyanna on Disney all the time when I was a kid. So yeah, I've never seen that one. I think I've just seen him in like some, it looks like he was in a lot of noir. I've seen some of these. Um, he's just, but it's, he's usually playing that kind of character, although he has a lot of range, but it's a similar like backbone of like trying to be stand up guy. And <laughs> yeah, and he, he, I just he love has his a, voice. He's so cute. Yeah, he's got a very good voice. He's got a very like perfect face. Like his nose is kind of big. Yeah. But like in a, I don't know. Looks like he got punched and he's like it healed up weird like a I don't know anyways. I also love how tiny Edward G. Robinson is. In this movie? Just in every I mean he's always been that yeah, tiny. Yeah, I he's guess. just like because he's always yeah. playing these like mean, intimidating characters and he's yeah. this teeny little guy. It's really little awesome. Guy. That's actually so I sent a picture. I don't know if I ever sent it to you, but uh there's a picture of Victor as a baby. And he, I told, I told Steve he was giving me his Edward G. Robinson face because it's kind of like a. But yeah, what else we got here? Hmm. Uh, I, I uh, two notes just on mm-hmm. crew, not cast as much, but um, Hal Ashby is the editor of this, which yeah. that surprised me because I didn't know that he was. Yeah. Apparently, I looked at his filmography and he directed a lot of pretty prestigious movies in the uh, '60s, possibly the '50s. Um, so that kind of surprised me because yeah. I think of him as very much like a countercultural type of guy. Although I bet in '65 this would have been a very countercultural. I movie. think so. Yeah. Like plus he yeah, got Rip Torn in it. Remember? Rip Torn. Yeah. Yes. Well, and then so actually, which my other note was, uh, one of the screenwriters was Terry Southern, who is like the satirist, the very you know, like Doctor Strange Love and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, and. uh that I didn't really see any of Terry Southern. Like I'm actually reading a book of his right now, and it's very like graphic and zany and all this type of stuff. And so I didn't really like feel like I got a lot of Southern vibes from this movie. But mm. here and there, just some of the stuff that probably would have like riled up the, you know, fuddy duddies of 1965 sure. came from him. But I thought that was interesting. Do you know? Speaking of Hal Ashby, so like last week we were talking about Miracle Morgan's Creek. Um, uh huh. And there was, we. I was talking about how we watched like all the movies on the AFI like top comedies list, uh-huh. and one of the movies on there is Being There, mm-hmm. um, the Hal Ashby movie, and my dad really like liked that movie and like really wanted me to watch it, and it was, it was like so he was like, and then it's like first of all, the movie is not funny at all as <laughs> yeah. I remember it, like literally. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, maybe I just didn't get it as a kid, but, like, I, it, didn't, it was terrible. And then there's, like, that really weird, like, sex, like, masturbation scene that was, like, so uncomfortable that I'm sure he just forgot about completely, but it was, like, so uncomfortable to watch with my parents, I remember. Yeah. Um, I don't remember that scene. I swear! I, it's, I like, feel... the lady, it's, like, the lady in it is, like, he's being a big weirdo, and she's, like, seducing him or something well the lady must okay. be shirley mclean um yeah oh, god i forgot she was in that yeah that I, that was a movie that i watched probably not probably not because of that list but because it was a classic and so forth but i probably watched it by myself like per my I feel dad's like you would hate it too i did not like it yeah i didn't think it was very <laughs> funny but it's it's one of those movies that it's like it's like a boomer movie like it's and, and i don't like you know i love boomers so i'm not saying uh-huh. that derisively but like I fucking hate Easy Rider. I think Easy Rider is oh, yeah. awful. Uh, I don't really like The Graduate. Um, 
I can see how it's well made at least, but it was same with being there. Being there is fantastically made. It's just these movies like they, they, they supposedly like just blew people's minds or just like people just love them and lo- like talk like, you know, they're so great. Uh, I'll see them and I'll just be like, this is just it's like a boomer thing. Like it must have just meant something before civilization had this changed. Is what, this is how I feel about the Beatles. Now. This is like Forrest Gump before yeah. Forrest Gump kind of. Yeah. Because just like well, a dumb guy who ends up in the middle <laughs> and he's like Jesus at the end or whatever. Right. I don't know, man. Yeah. Being there is a weird one. But yeah, I, mean, I, I, I won't get into the Beatles, but I'm a Beach Boys man. So that's, I, well, that's I mean, I like the Beatles, the Beatles also, but um, yeah. and the Beach Boys and the Kinks and the. Yeah. Anyway, Andrew, I think you should watch Being There and be the decider. OK. Like I love as a being... mature man, you should watch Being There yes. and be like. This is a or is not a good movie. <laughs> I have yeah, see what we're missing. I have dreamt my whole life of being in a uh, Kevin Costner swing vote style decider <laughs> situation. Well, I mean, and I mean the decider. Mike and I both don't like it, but I just I right. the decider between us and like boomers the rest of the world, or or I don't know whoever used. To, I don't think anyone watches being there anymore, do they? No, it's still it's still a highly regarded classic. I guess yeah. Okay, um, so it doesn't deserve to be considered right. a classic i'm gonna I be like extremely harsh when i watch it so i'm gonna be really critical so if 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 i get a chance to ruin this movie for millions of people i will do it perfect yeah and i, I as an adult now that we've talked about it i want to see it again as an adult because there was plenty that i did not understand you know in high school uh about the world and all that type of stuff that maybe it would click better with me now but i, I also feel like sometimes with these like the boomer classics You'll, you'll like watch it or you'll read it or whatever and you'll be like i don't really like see why this is a big deal and then you'll be like oh vietnam it's something about vietnam oh sure. it's like you know you oh, just don't think the, about it what's the uh, the big chill also don't get yeah i kind of like i like the big chill I like but big i chill. like yeah but I, I like people reminiscing and hanging out that's a hangout that's movie. true yeah, I like that. it's the Guys, hangout movie people going to hang out in the house yeah yeah, yeah. plus there's who's in that isn't, is the, Jennifer Tilly in that or Meg Tilly? The Big Chill. Meg Tilly. Meg Tilly's Meg in Tilly. it. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. Have you guys ever seen Indian Summer? It's like from the early '90s. I think I have, yes. but I also think I, I confuse it with like a million other movies. Right. It's very much like The Big Chill. It's like they all go back to their summer camp and everything. I love that movie though. It's so good. That's to me. That's better than The Big Chill. <laughs> is it? Because like it's a lot less serious. Adaptation of a novel? No. I don't think so. I don't know if it is. No. Uh, okay. Well, good film either way. Elizabeth um, Perkins is whoa. in it, so it probably is. Yeah. This is uh, from the uh, director of uh, Sandler ca- cast classic, Rain Over Me. Oh, oh really? Mike Bender, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. It's fun. Speaking of all this, I saw Peggy Sue got married for the first time. What'd you week. think? That's another. Um, that's that also movie, a boomer right? movie. Um, I don't know. I don't. I I don't hate it. I remember. I think my okay. dad really liked it, and that's another one that I watched when I was a kid, and I was like, "This is fucking weird." <laughs> it's very weird. It's like a Back to the Future, but that it's like very sad. sad. It's like a yeah. It's like a sad Back to the Future. Um, sad to the future. I thought it was. I thought it oh, well, especially yeah. <laughs> um, especially after one from the heart. Uh, yeah, it was better than that. I, I also 
anyways, I'll be I'll be very brief because we're talking about a different movie. But I'm, I've never loved Kathleen Turner, so that was a little bit of a thing. Wait, hang on. Um, have you seen Body Heat? Yes. Hmm. I I have. Then I, I think I think she's good in that. I just in general I'm not. I don't know. She's just she's very weird in that movie, especially because she's like. I think in by the time they were filming that she was like in her late twenties, and she's playing both a you know forty something and a eighteen mm. year old, so it's very weird. So that was odd about it. But the, and Nicolas Cage is bizarre in yeah. the movie. Um, but I don't know. But it was like I to me it felt like like because I'm a very nostalgic person, and at times in my life it's been like you know not like a big problem, but it's been like you know not a good thing. Um, or it's, you know, it's been, it's, I don't know, it bums you out or something. Absolutely. But, uh, it's, it's the most critical, at least it was unexpected to me. So maybe there was something that is more, you were expecting it, but it's the most critical of nostalgia movie I've seen that I can think of. And it's, that's especially weird coming because it's right smack dab in the middle of the 80s, which was such all those filmmakers 50s then, like, nostalgic were movie. so nostalgic. Yeah. yeah. And so it's really weird. But like and it's also it's not nostalgic or it's not like anti nostalgic in the way that's I feel like more common where they're like, oh, it was all this pressure to conform. And it was all, you know, like they say, like the 50s were actually or the early 60s were actually bad because of like, you know, the, you know, everybody hated communists and the Cold War and then racism and like all this stuff. Like you're pretty used to those kind of things. But it was like it was more of like a psychologically critical of nostalgia thing. And also it hardly addressed that if she went back in time and chose a different lifestyle that her children wouldn't exist. Mm-hmm. And she uh but but then at the end they really I guess they kind of pull it all around. Anyways, it's a very weird movie. It would make for good pod- podcast material. I think so. Clearly. Yeah. 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 Sorry. <laughs> We're off okay. topic once again. But uh, no, the problem with uh, I didn't take notes for Cincinnati Kid. And so I keep I keep no, going I didn't either, off in those but, um, directions. But. It's um it's it's very well it's very pretty, I think. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's super well shot. The it, color is and it gorgeous. Looked, it looked recognizably Norman Jewison to me. Yes. Because I agree. I agree. 100%. He's kind of a director who doesn't, he's not really like that auteur style. Right. Director, but no. we I think like him enough and have watched enough of his movies that like there is something. It I mean this felt like not dissimilar to In the Heat of the Night or even Moonstruck, you know, in just how he doesn't shoot in a like ostentatiously stylish way or anything. But people at the time even noted like there's a dreamlike color palette to this movie. And yes, I'm like, wow, yes. really? We have there's, like <laughs> There's a there's a moment where he I can't remember what Steve, Steve McQueen is going through like an alleyway or he's hop and he's maybe like he's going mm-hmm. through a fence or hopping a fence or something, but it's night and it's the smallest thing, but it's like the left corner like the upper left hand corner of the screen has some sort of like blue filter mm-hmm. on it. And it's just, mm. I, I don't know what it is. I don't, it could have been even something that was just hanging there and just is like maybe out of focus or something and just ends up being like an overlay. But it was like, it just, it it was everything for the shot. Like it just made it, mm. Like you're saying, like it's very, it's very dreamlike. It's very, um, I don't know why I was thinking, but like warm and warm and and cozy to me is like that's how I think mm-hmm. of like Moonstruck, and that's how this movie read to me too. Um, 
There was also there's a, there's a precision too that I think's worth that is worth mentioning. Um, one example is, I think it's shooter or somebody somebody's leaving their their house and it's like they're leaving one room and going into another and this is kind of hard to describe but you there's a there's a you know in there's pool pools of light that the person is walking through so it's like they're not always continuously lit mm -hmm. um but when they get to the door there's presumably a door another door um perpendicular that's open with a light coming through so you kind of get like the light is being cut by a doorway basically does this make sense like yeah. you have a, yeah. you have a beam of light that's being cut by a doorway that's off camera and it probably doesn't exist it's probably just some flags but um the 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 beam of light is so it's cut and it's also on the door that the character is going to walk through and when the character opens the door and you see the room beyond, there's another similar room with another doorway across the way. And there's that same shape of light, like cut exactly the same way and like lined up. And like, there's no practical reason for this. I think it's just to be precise, but also I think it it's sort of, makes it feel like a movie in a lot of ways and it makes it feel like I'm I'm inside of a story. I don't know if this makes any sense, but mm -hmm. just hmm. kind of appealing to what you're talking about. But there's like there's so much precision. There's no practical reason for this to happen and it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Like, what part is this? I kind of want to rewatch it now that you talked about it. Ah, uh, some midway through the movie. I don't know. If you fast forward through the movie and you see somebody walking out a door, you'll <laughs> you'll probably catch it. But I was like okay. but that's like it was a thing where it was like, oh, that's such a pretty shot. And then it just like the door opens and I'm like, and I'm just kind of thinking about like some poor gaffer. Like, is this high enough? No. <laughs> is this high enough? No. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I, it, it just, it, that's when the movie kind of like just jumped out at me as something that was very beautiful. Interesting. And I mean, I was pretty, I mean, I was pretty well hooked from the second I knew it was in New Orleans. I like sat up and I was like, let's yeah. go, baby. I'm yeah. ready. That was kind of cool. Yeah. I love cool. when he and Tuesday Weld are just like walking down the street in one shot. And I think the little kid runs up to them and I'm just like, love it. God, such a good shot. Love it so much. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm looking at a shot of him walking. Maybe it's the one you were talking about. Yeah, is he walking? He's like walking down like some alley and and walking out a gate, and it's raining. And it yes, like, yes, that's the one. It you looks, see the, the, it looks oh, yeah. see the blue? so pretty. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Okay, cool. It looks really pretty. But it's like I have no. I it's like I couldn't tell you why they would clip, clip the frame <laughs> with that color. Like I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what purpose it is. It's supposed other, to represent. Yeah. It's just like I think that. He's just sitting there and it's just like, it needs something. Put that there. It gives it like kind Boom. of like a gradient, like yeah. across. Yeah, it's really pretty. But it's not, it's not like, it's not like a Tony Scott movie, you know, where it's like. No. It's, it's not so stylized. Like it's still. It would look normal to a normal person. There's a shot right after that. That's my favorite where he's in his apartment looking out the window and there's, it's very Kubrick oh, to me or very eyes shot. wide shut because yes. it's like blue, green, red great in shot. a row. Yep. Uh, yeah, so this movie's very, very pretty. Which, which, I, I remember 
I think I shared this with you. We were talking about In the Heat of the Night, and there was some, like, oh, it was when I stopped listening to the Unspooled podcast. Mm. It's because <laughs> they were talking about In the Heat of the Night, and they said, like, that there's nothing remarkable about how it looks. That's fucking And bonkers. I was just like, fuck off. There are so many, like, the scenes lit with headlights and everything. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't know what they're talking about. It's a great-looking movie. I agree. Um... Another thing that jumps out at me about this movie, we were talking about the complexity of the characters earlier, and I think it would have been very easy, and certainly movies have done this since then. You know, even like Color of Money comes to mind, where it's like you've got like the arrogant young hotshot, and you've got the kind of like wizened sort of the 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 old number one or whatever, who's <laughs> you know kind of at the end of his path or whatever. Um, and I feel like there would be a real, there's, you know, I feel like a, a, a lesser storytellers would lean into that here. And I feel like, like Steve McQueen comes into the room and he's, I think he does have a little bit of arrogance to like drive him, but like, he seems like respectful. He seems mm -hmm. to have like integrity and he cares about the game and, and, and winning right. And he also seems to, you know, I think he wants to beat this guy, but I think he has a enough like adoration for him. Like when he comes in and he meets everybody and he's, you know, kind of glad handing everyone and it's he seems mm -hmm. very charismatic. And then like everybody kind of stands back and like he takes a moment to just like take in uh Edward G. Robinson. I I love that. I thought that was great. And it's really it's really not until the last five to 10 minutes of the movie, I think that he thinks he thinks he's so sure of himself. He's so sure that he's going to win that he actually starts saying it out loud. Mm -hmm. hmm. And I think it that's, felt that's very nice. unique. It felt if it felt like a really unique because like we've seen the basics of this story before. Yes. But I'm not sure if I've seen a movie where like that has the dynamic of like the young hotshot. And first of all, the kind of the setup of like he 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 really wants to win this game, but he, he it'll like it's almost like even if he loses, what he's looking forward to is the chance to have the game and and potentially prove himself. Yeah. Just he just wants like respect kind of to like earn respect and the way that like Carl Malden's choice like ruins the whole thing for him not because it means he's gonna win or lose but just because it's like well I wanted to actually like play <laughs> yeah and prove myself so to have that kind of setup and then have him lose it have him have him do the whole thing of like he gets himself out of that situation where he's like, okay, we're going to play a fair game and I'm going to win. And then he loses. Like, I yeah. don't think I've really seen that before, yeah. especially to have it not then be like, well, at least you played fair. Yeah. It's like, he's a loser. Now. Usually, usually <laughs> end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, kind of. So usually, usually the movie like that happens like, early in the movie and then it's about the character getting right. it back right like the hustler right. is that way right. rounders is that way um the only other movie that i could compare this to would be rocky mm -hmm. huh. yes yes 
because he he loses, but, but he but he gets the girl, and it's kind of the same see, thing here. In in yeah. Rocky, Rocky still has a hugely like triumphant ending. That's true. He went the distance. Where I would right, where I would he went the distance, <laughs> and he, you know, he's he's got Adrian, like that, yes. which is what, what really a, matters. Major Big League, they they lose. <laughs> nice. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> Sorry but to like, spoil Major Big League for people who haven't. Deep cut. But that's a movie where they they go all the way up to the end of the season. They're winning, they're winning, and then they lose. And it really does kind of peter out. It's like, oh, back mm-hmm. to school, and I guess I won't own that the team anymore. That actually does feel similar. I mean, it's kind of... Yeah. It's just like, man, what does this mean? <laughs> like, I think it means he, he's going to live a happy and unremarkable life. I think I think with him, Tuesday well. Yes. So right. that's not too bad. I think, too bad. <laughs> I think that's why that scene where he goes and visits her with her family is so important. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I think it's yeah. I think it sets up the ending for him to be okay. Like, yes, he's he's lost kind of the thing um that makes him remarkable, that makes him mm-hmm. potentially the best. Um, but now he gets to be happy, I think. Um, but what if I yeah. told you What do you got? That this movie used to end on a freeze frame of his face right after he his coin fuck de- man like that, he loses that's that devas- game that's devastating yes huh um, to me that, that would be which jo- is what norman jarring. jewison really wanted to do yeah but the studio thought that was weird like they wouldn't let him t- so that's before <laughs> he goes and hugs tuesday well <laughs> yeah interesting yeah I would like to hear that conversation be like, no, Norman, that's weird. I, and I can't, and I don't know how the novel, en- how, or the story ends. Yeah. Um, but like, that's what I mean. And so that's what, it seems like the movie isn't kind of, the story is kind of intended to end with him getting beaten by the kid and being like, shit. <laughs> like, right. What's happening See, I to like, me? <laughs> I like that it's not that bad though. Like, I like that there is, something for him yeah yeah and even their hug I, at the end he looks i mean he's he looks bummed but he's like he's being he's being comforted and like accepting comfort but it's it's not yeah. like you know it's a it's it's a it's a bittersweet thing like it's a it's yeah. a it's a it's a nuanced ending it's the best thing we can hope for it's with great a movie. <laughs> yeah 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 um, yeah i like that it's nuanced and, and it's I, not just like i feel like it would feel like a 70s film if it was just like he lost and then he lost again and now it's over yeah like it would be like i think i would almost like it but i think the the little kid who keeps challenging him i think him coming back and him losing to the kid is a little too on the nose i feel like i would rather the kid show up pestering him to play and i would rather steve mcqueen like believe that he no longer has the magic and just refuses to like engage in it. Like I feel like I would, oh. I would like that a little bit more. Just it, it feels a little, yeah, it feels a little too, too much, like too much to me. Yeah, because that kid keeps showing up to like remind us, you know. Uh, and so you know that kid. Well, there's always another kid. Yeah, you know that's that's good. Yeah, you know that subplot's going to be resolved in some way. So yeah, um, yeah, I think the only story beat that I kind of like struggled with but maybe it kind of sets him up to lose a little bit is when he has sex with melba um Mm. i just it was sort of a bummer to see 
I mean, I guess maybe that's intentional that it's, you know, he's kind of a, a, for a gambler, he's a guy with quite a lot of integrity. Um, Mm. and it's not until somebody else has like forced their corruption into his game, his life, that he sort of decides to like fall back on it a little bit. So maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe that's why he had to lose. It's because he, you know, I didn't think about that. He did kind of like cheapen himself. Right. I mean, he, to be honest, he should have, I think. If if he's the person that we're meant to be, that he's trying to tell us he is, he really should have stopped the game as soon as he noticed Shooter was cheating. Yeah, but that could have been really bad for Shooter, I guess. So maybe right. he's trying yeah, to be a good friend, but also like there's. So sh- does he fuck her because he's mad? I think about- so. Yeah. I think she yeah. says, "You still." She says something like, "You're still thinking about Shooter," like. Okay. And then it, it you know. The answer is, well, he totally fucked me over, so I guess I might as well do this. Right. I think See, those I think, are the... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think there could be a an anti-sex message in here, like, oh, he had sex with her, and so now he's lost. He lo- That's, you know, throws him off his game or something. But I, th- I think... I don't know. I don't know. I, I hadn't even considered how that scene... Because I just... That scene was kind of nothing to me. Like, I didn't care about that thread very much, and so mm-hmm. I didn't really, like, pull that into the end of the movie. I just wanted to get back to the poker game. Yeah, um, I don't think it's, like, directly but, tied. I think it's, like, just, like, a thematic no. sort of thread. Well, but it is a little bit because it's, like... It's, like, the dominoes have all kind of fallen for him a little bit. Yeah. I Although think, I don't think this is a movie about fate, either. I don't know. It's a weird movie. I think movie. it is about really... luck a little bit. I yeah. think... Yeah, I mean, it's... Quite a lucky hand that he gets there that uh, Edward G. Yes. Robinson gets See, there. See, I think I'm reading, okay, a couple of things. One, okay. I think the scenes, the stuff with his girlfriend and Anne Margaret would probably play a lot better if he looked like a young man. I yeah. think. Right. <laughs> Who was yeah. kind of like messing up his life because he's young, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and unsure about what he wanted and all that thing. Um, I'm reading, apparently there is a ton of poker discourse about this movie huh. and particularly about the final huh. hand um right and particularly particularly about how um unlikely it is and so i just read a little blog it's not little it's very it's quite long it breaks down <laughs> like every hand that they both get <laughs> in the movie um but it says in the in the novel um the to- the sense in how they the novel, the hand plays out differently than it does in the movie in terms of especially the amounts that each bets and win. And in the novel, it's more seems like more when you're reading it, you get a sense that the kid is in over his head, like that okay. Lancey has been patient the whole time and is drawing him in. And the kid kind of does mess up a little bit in a way that uh, he ends up getting fooled a little bit. In the movie, they changed it, and people and like poker players are like very critical of like that's ridiculous that those two hands would show up and you know the same. Um, but this person is saying that that ignores like a th- the th- a theme of the movie of like it's unfair, <laughs> like it's not like he should have won. He did everything right, and he still lost. Um, yeah. And I think the backdrop of the depression makes a lot more uh, like could play into that a lot more. Um, 
Interesting. Very yeah. Nice. Of like he's a good nice. guy. He's trying to play fair. He's doing everything right. He's mastered his craft, and he still loses just because of fucking luck. Um. Then I, I need I need a little bit more depression era like. And that, and that Lancey, this person says Lancey was actually playing pretty recklessly. Like, in terms of who's playing better poker in that hand, it's definitely the kid and the man is not. It's interesting that it's like the man is who wins the game, too. <laughs> like, you know, the man's keeping everybody yeah. down. Um, yeah, that's fascinating. But yeah, I think that's something of a, you know... Like, they even make the point in the Wikipedia article that, like, the thing that makes the thing, the reason that 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 uh, casinos make all their money is because people believe that if something hasn't happened for a while, it must be about to happen. Right. And the truth is, it's exactly as likely to happen in any given <laughs> moment. Yeah. So a thing that's impossible, like the hand, it was some, the Wikipedia article says something like if they were to play poker for like eight hours a day, every day, um, it, the, the hand that happens would happen roughly every like 400 years or something like that. But that doesn't mean that if you play for 400 years, that it will happen on the 400 in the 400th year, it could happen today. This is um, going by the uh, Sydney Shields laws of probability. <laughs> yeah. 50, yeah, everything's 50-50. It either happens no, or it doesn't. No, but I think I do think that that's probably deliberate. But I also think people just when they're making poker movies, they just want the hands to be fancy cuz it's boring yeah. for a guy to win with with a pair of twos, but that's what would probably See, happen. <laughs> I think that would be I think that would be sick. Mhm. I think it would have been cool after having talked about this. Like what if what if Lancey didn't have the cards you know and what if because mm -hmm. they talk about losing your nerve the whole time right and we see yeah. several characters lose their nerve and bow out and i kind of think like we we maybe some stakes you know that because it because it seems like you know steve mcqueen's set up as a guy who's he's he's gonna just put it all on this like he, he's gonna be you know everything but the clothes on his back essentially and i kind of wonder if maybe that doesn't leave your character with nerves to lose, you know? Because he's mm -hmm. like, he's sort of, he's shed attachment. He doesn't seem to live anywhere. Uh, so what does it matter if he risks literally everything he has? Mm-hmm. So I kind of he's wonder... He's got nothing. Go live in a nice idyllic cabin with that's, Tuesday Wells. That's mm -hmm. true. And, his, and her mean-looking mom. Yeah. They were yeah. good people, though. They were good people. Yes. And I did like when they did the... I liked when he did the card trick, and I liked when they just, you know, they decided he wasn't so bad. I thought that was a very nice scene, yeah. and um, it makes the ending, I think, work a little bit better. Yeah. Although it was pretty jarring to just be suddenly in this, like, country, like, nice country kind of well, setting. Well, especially because like, I, don't, and... I don't think it would be as jarring if the movie actually looked like it was the 19th for the rest right. of the time because right. then you yeah. go to this like shack and you're like what yeah. the fuck is going yeah. on yeah <laughs> that's yeah. that is true uh, <laughs> these people deep in appalachia yeah very weird also she cleared his this is how salty that the mom was she cleared his plate when he wasn't even done eating there's like a that's true. full plate of food on that plate i was like you gotta be yeah. kidding me lady so speaking of that you just said something about steaks earlier and i while watching the movie, there's a line where Rip Torn, like he's sitting there, Stephen Queen's like chomping down on some steak. Yeah. And uh, Rip Torn's like, do you like your steak? <laughs> and for some reason, it made me laugh just because like 
we've made steaks here a couple of times. Like we're not very good cooks. We are worried that, but Sarah will always be like, do you like your steak? I also liked when he said, give him some more. Like Rip Torn tells his his man to give him some more. (laughs) And then Steve McQueen's like, no. (laughs) Well, and that was, and that's right after, right after Steve McQueen says, it's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Well, and actually, though, that makes sense too, because I guess if you, it's just the depression, steak would probably be like. Yeah, I think that's what they were by. probably. Makes suggesting. more sense. I just forgot. I did. I forgot we weren't just in 1965. I know. I think he's trying to bribe but, uh, butter him up a little bit. Oh, for sure he was. But it's also like I'd be like, well, yeah, like I could go get a steak at yeah. Texas Roadhouse for 15 yeah. bucks right now. Yeah. Well, a I little mean, applesauce and a sweet potato. You can you can get a. A steak in New Orleans in Red Dead Redemption 2 as just like a cowboy and yeah. you know <laughs> it's not too you know it's fancy but it's not that fancy you know I don't know that's right, that right. Big a deal. steak that's the thing steak really isn't that fancy of a food yes. maybe I'm mm-hmm. just not getting the right steak you're getting the wrong steaks for as much as <laughs> well for as much as people talk about like you know steaks being like this whole big thing it's like I don't know it is it is a big thing pretty good steak but like yeah. you know. Mike are you ever gonna eat like a rare or medium rare steak I usually get I usually get medium. Yeah, so medium. I think you're just yeah. out based on that. So you're supposed to get medium rare? No, medium is though, medium's acceptable. Medium's acceptable. It's acceptable, but, but I just feel like you're if you the people I know who eat like, oh, this is like yeah. Kobe beef or whatever the fuck. Right. It's like looks like they just cut it off the guy, you know. Me, me, medium so rare is where you want to go. Is, yeah. This is the thing though. I'm from Kansas. Yes. I'm from specifically the Kansas City area. We have beef aplenty. It's coming out mm-hmm. of our ears around here. Right. Also, my dad's from Iowa. When we there was a place we went, the best steak I've ever had. We went to a place in the middle of a field mm-hmm. that was <laughs> packed with people. Uh, it was I think it was outside Des Moines, and it's just like a big shed in the middle of a field, um, like twenty minutes outside of town. And it was the best steak I've ever had. I don't remember. I think I probably just got medium as usual, but it's just a big pile of potatoes, a steak. I don't even think it was ten dollars. Perfect. And it meal. was it was just, you know, it was wonderful. But so that's what I mean. I think like when I see like I'm at a fancy restaurant, it's like the seventy dollar, you know, mm-hmm. whatever steak. Like I don't know. I can't I don't the know. Which dry, the dry the dry aged but. with like the mold on it. Yeah, or something like that. I'm just like, well, how good could that steak really be? I bet you it's pretty I'm, good. I, and I'm sure it's very good. But I, I can't afford finding out, so, you know, I'll just go to Iowa. Sometimes. The uh, shack steak. Usually with Andrew, but, like, if we go to a place and, like, Lee gets a really nice steak, I'll always be like, if it's, unless it's, like, super bloody, I'll be like, can yeah. I try a little tiny piece? And I have it, and I'm like, I don't I don't get it. Yeah. Like, it's I like, do this like is steak, fine, but yeah. it's just, yeah, Although, I don't know. I just, I have no palate for anything anyways. Like, I couldn't tell you good from bad from most foods, so. Uh, I, um, I, I eat, like, maybe once every other week, I'll make myself a steak. But I always get, like, yeah. you know, it's like, if I'm buying meat, I, like, check to see if stuff's, like, on sale. So I'll get, like, a, it's usually not the best cut or whatever. And, um, but I've gotten a lot better at like cooking meat just from like trying to cook steak. That's like, has not low fat content. So it's like kind of harder to cook. Um, and then Brandon got me a nice steak for my birthday. Just like, I mean, it was like (laughs) 30 bucks or something like that, but like for one piece of meat basically. And, um, the best fucking meal of my life. Like, <laughs> I cook. I cook that fucker. I cook that fucker so good. I mean, I'm talking. Yeah. You get 
you get the kosher salt, right? And then you, and then the secret, I think, is I put a little bit of truffle oil and a little bit mm. of liquid smoke and kind of like paint the whole steak with it. And then I just, oh, and then okay. I just hit it with um, pepper and onion powder and garlic powder and, um, and then cook it, uh, you know, in a skillet. And then when you flip it over, uh, I have a bun- I've got a little thing of melted garlic butter ready to go. And I pour that over. Uh-huh. And then when I'm done, put- and it's really like maybe two and a half, three minutes max on both sides. And then I'll do like 30 seconds to a- like I'll hold it with tongs to get the sides to get the sear all the way oh, around. Yeah. And then usually put it on a plate. Maybe you put a piece of tinfoil over it for five minutes to kind of let it keep doing its thing. Um, that's it. Sounds good. That's so my fun. mouth is watering right now. I know. That's yeah, pretty good. I've gotten very good. Uh, <laughs> next time I see you, I'll make you a steak and it will be very good. All right. Yeah, we usually will do a little salt and pepper on it. And then you just put it on the foreman grill just for like, yeah, four or five minutes. Okay, so probably, probably four, four. There's your problem. You're cooking fucking steak on a George Foreman grill. That's it's the good. Issue. I mean, they turn out real good. That's the issue. I, I'm not saying I don't like steak. I like steak quite a bit. It's just you need. I don't, I don't understand why do some steaks cost like a hundred dollars or whatever. Like because how good because the, really it's be? like the the perfect amount of like tenderness to like fat content and that's right. that shit matters. And when I you put think, it on a George Foreman I grill, think, you're melting all the fucking fat out of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, yes, yeah. We'll you're literally to, rendering. So you, that's the point of a George Foreman grill is that it renders the fat and 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 removes it from the food. But that's where your that's where yeah, your you flavor's get, coming from. You don't get that much out of it in the time it's in there because it's not like we press it down. Like you just kind of you grill it on both sides that way. Okay. I'm not I'm not fully disagreeing with you. Like we we could definitely be cooking it with fancier cookware, but no, you don't need you don't need fancier cookware. That, you need a thirty dollars skillet. That that's all you need. If you live in a in a neighborhood where there are just cows roaming around. If you live in a metropolitan area <laughs> okay, where cows enough. roam freely, yeah. you're probably like you're probably very spoiled with steak. Yeah. Like you, you know don't that, need to spend a hundred dollars. Lee Lee's family, you know, they raised cows. They would raise like a couple of cows uh-huh. every year and then like eat them at a party. Mm. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I went to one of the parties once where they had like it was like they were like fonduing, you know, like they had like those little pots of like boiling grease that you would just like flash cook. Oh, yeah. The raw steak in and eat it. Oh, God. We went, when we were in <laughs> Switzerland, my sister took us to a fondue restaurant, which, again, a food that I've never understood why it's, it's so expensive and fancy and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was that I forgot about that like flash cooking type of stuff. It was really good. If you're, I'm hungry. If somebody's dad <laughs> is going to kill a cow and have a party, like that dad better be so fucking good at making steak. That's <laughs> honestly, that would be, that's kind of my problem with steak is that. It's like it is expensive, and it's like if you don't know how to cook it and you make it badly, then it makes me mad, right? Yeah. Well, it's like I'm never gonna order a steak at like a fucking Applebee's or whatever because I don't, I don't trust, I don't trust it. It's like this is a way. Texas Roadhouse is pretty good. I, I think they do a fine job. I trust, I trust you. Uh, I, I, yeah. I'm not opposed to walking into a Texas Roadhouse. Um, but yeah, um, and I, Applebee's, I don't know, probably a little lower. But I think you're probably don't right that them. like if you're, if yeah. you're like in. Maine, then like the lobster you get like from the little hole in the wall on the side of the road is probably pretty fucking good. Exactly. Because they and you're just right pulling there. them out of the trees. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Those crazy tree lobsters. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyways, good good, <laughs> good good steak talk. One of our best uh, tangents ever. 
Well, I'm glad we got your re- recipe recorded so I can. No, <laughs> don't tell them about the liquid smoke. <laughs> um, I don't have any other notes. Yeah, uh, I guess because I'm an old uh, horn dog, I got to say Tuesday Weld and Anne Margaret. Very gorgeous in this film. Yeah. I was very happy um, for you, Mike, as I was watching they, it. Yeah, really, really special film. This was a this but was a really funny. good movie. Yeah, it good. was. Yeah, no, it was really solid, I especially like I said, by the end, I was really into it. Yeah, um, I mean, that that but... poker scene is really long, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. it's and there really isn't much movie going on after that. So it's like that's kind of where it all happens. And I, I like that it's, you know, there are other movies. I mean, two examples, you know, I, I talked about Rounders earlier, which has plenty of poker in it, but there's so much other stuff. You know, it's like you go to a game, then you leave a game, you go to a game, you leave a game. So it's like the movie kind of comes up for air a lot. And even like, another, uh, I mean, obviously poker is not the reason for a James Bond movie, but Casino Royale has a ton of poker scenes and, and mm-hmm. you know, but there's like, you know, car chases in between hands. Um, yeah. so, but I th- all that to say, like, I think this movie, like, I think it sustained itself very well. Mm-hmm. I think the, I think the yeah, editing sure. and the tension and, and just it's, it's all carried very well. I think finally seeing those two characters kind of come face to face. And it's like, these are two characters that I, I like them both. And I don't necessarily want either of them to lose. Like, yeah, really mm-hmm. the only thing that, is punishable is I think um, Steve McQueen sacrificing a bit of his integrity. I, I really like, I mean, it has two things I really like. I really like movies. It's nice to kind of flashback to a time. Although we, I mean, we still have these movies now, but not as often I would say where like the stakes are kind of like really small. And it's just about this one. It feels very literary to me. There's Mm -hmm. like this one event and the only reason it's really a big deal is because it matters to our character. <laughs> and like the whole movie's about that. I really like yeah. that. I also really like movies that build to like one moment that like you've got to see. Like you got to like you got to watch this whole movie and trust me that when he flips that card, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> and yeah. It like comes out of nowhere, especially at a time when like that kind of innovation in like that, that was actually like a really unusual thing to like see. That was almost like avant-garde in a way. In a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like all that the kind of and cutting and stuff. Yeah. Um, I thought sure. that was like really, really fun. What year? That was pretty cool. So I'm thinking of like, yeah, the, the close up of like the eyes. Cause they do that in election, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the, oh yeah and the first time i can um, i okay interesting so they did so when reading about that scene in election the editor cited the good bad and the ugly and there's that the, yeah. the famous right. moment at the end of the good bad and the ugly but the good bad and the ugly came out a year after two years after this that's true so um, that's interesting because i think anybody would like you know in the same way that people would refer to like any one or longer than 30 seconds as the Goodfellas shot. I feel like they would, you would consider that like a good, bad and the ugly montage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm really bad about remembering those things, especially because I think if you like, I mean, if you got to see those movies like chronologically, like if you grew up, sure. I don't know. 
in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, then it would, I feel like it might be easier to like know that sense of film history. But it's like if you, if you're like me, born in the 80s, and it's like you watched all these old movies in completely random order and like with new stuff and everything's referencing everything. You saw the Simpsons episode that parodied the film before you actually saw the film. So it's very hard to like wow. get that kind of like Here, a, here's a what I'll, Here's what I'll say to that. If you are willing to spend the paltry sum of $100,000 on a film degree, you, yeah. you too can retain all of this knowledge and much more. Yeah. I almost got one back in the day. Yeah. I was two years in, then I bailed. But, but uh, back then, it was only $30,000. So oh, wow. Not bad. Yeah. Um, all right. Is it time for the cruise minute? I have one. <laughs> so there is, I, I just saw some news earlier today uh, that next month, there is a new Tom Cruise film coming out. Yeah, baby. Um, yeah. So Isn't that's, that I think, so... have we talked about it before? That uh, that Tom Cruise has a new movie coming out. It's yeah, it's Mission Impossible Seven, and I don't know. Huh. I can't. I feel like we title? may have mentioned it. Uh, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. <laughs> what a fucking Mission title. Colon Impossible Colon Dead Reckoning Colon Part One. Oh man, <laughs> no Mission Colon Impossible Colon. No hyphen. Isn't it Mission it's a hyphen Impossible? It's Mission. Okay, Mission, mission Colon Impossible. Yes, hyphen hyphen Dead Reckoning yeah. Colon. Part Which by the way, <laughs> yeah. Hyphen. I mean, is it a hyphen? It's not even like an N dash. I don't know. I don't in, know. in Ghost Protocol, it's a it's a hyphen, I think. So I just assume that that's... they're all hyphens after that. Okay. That really bugs me. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I saw that's coming out. So I might check that out. It sounds interesting. Do you guys have any cruise news? Um, I'm very excited for Mission Impossible. It's very exciting. Um, just no no like grand news. Just that like the the world premiere happened. Uh, in Rome, he and... looked really bad. I'm sorry to say. Okay, well that's not what we're here to talk about, Kit. But it's true. It's, really it's like he his he was wearing that blue three piece suit that I feel like is the only suit he owns now. Mm. Um, he shouldn't be wearing vests as much as he does. He looked yeah. and his hair looked very unkempt. He should stop dyeing it probably at this point, and he should probably cut it. Okay. Um, he okay. just looked this schlub- is this... schlubby. Yeah, I trust what Kit is saying. I haven't seen the pictures, but I trust what she's saying because she styled an entire triple feature around Tom Cruise's hair. Yeah, yes. so I believe yeah. that she knows when his hair. Although I guess was that with the the Janet Jackson picture you sent? Was that at the, the premiere? No. So that was what oh, okay. my cruise news was. Is that he on like a break from all the shit he's doing went to catch a Janet Jackson concert because mm-hmm. he loves her and interesting. Um, they hung out backstage and there's a really cute picture where he looks, they both look great. He looks so young in like his jeans and he's got his foot up on the wall behind him. And it's, it's like, painful. Oh, it's like risky business, Tom or something. It's, like yeah. it's, painful. it's so cute. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to send you a picture. This is not a good look. This is not flattering. <laughs> um, let's see what we got. Um, copy the image. So the, 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 you know, kind of first reactions, which, are kind of meaningless as we just learned yeah. from the flash. Um, uh, but that's another thing I want to talk about. We could talk about that. Um, <laughs> well, let's, let's finish the episode before we talk about the flash. Okay. Unless, it's unless not it's, about the, it's not about the flash. It's about the way movies are marketed and it is related to mission impossible. Yeah. And well, also Tom, let's... Tom Cruise was linked to the marketing of the flash. The flash. Yes. So that is important. Well, 
Well, let me. This let episode me, is already crazy enough. If if we if yeah, just let me. Well, you guys can vote. I, I'm just this trying is to finish my podcast. Vote. Is I'm, well, we talk but, I mean, about I just, other stuff. <laughs> I just want to. I go just want to finish my cruise minute. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Go sorry. ahead. Okay. The word is that people are saying the movie is very good. That's exciting. Mm. And, that is exciting. And we're inclined to believe that. Uh, also, Tom Cruise showed up 90 minutes late for the premiere because he was meeting. Whoa. Yeah. He was delayed because. Was he talking about Oppenheimer? No, he was just had an impromptu <laughs> meeting with the Italian prime minister. No problem. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he Probably showed trying he... to get into the Vatican again or something. Probably. Or maybe maybe they Although need he'd be him. talking to the Vatican. Maybe then. maybe they maybe they need him to pull off a heist. You know? We could. I can say we Catholics could use a Tom Cruise. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's some crazy stuff going on. In you got to get something. Uh, that's it. That's it. I'm very excited. Very nice. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I told you guys we're taking that Monday off. Sarah yeah. and I both. I think that take rules. That Monday off, I think so. that's pretty fucking yeah. cool. Andrew, will you tell me when it's... I should buy tickets? Yeah. Okay. You, we're we're, go, we're, the, we're going. Sale. We're going IMAX, right? We got to do IMAX. There's no IMAX. Oh, you guys in are going city. together. Dear God. So There's sorry. no IMAX are you going screen Portland? in the city. No, no, no. Yeah, I've got an IMAX. Chicago. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're not going to see okay. it together. No. He just meant we oh, not in, in spirit. No, we'll he see just... it together. I got you. I got you. Okay. Yeah. I, I will attempt to um, see it at this exact same time as you. I mean, I would drive to the suburbs to see it in IMAX. Um, yeah. But I'd have to do some research. Um, I was going to say that I don't like. So yeah. So I've just noticed in very quick succession. That there's a new wh- Lee and I were talking about this today, and I was like, I'm worried that it signals the death of cinema. And then he pointed out that's probably not true, but like that movies are now being marketed like this guy saw it and he said it's the greatest movie of yeah, all yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's been going Mission on for Impossible, a while. The Flash, and Oppenheimer. Like the way hmm, yeah. that they're promoting movies is just like, hey, I showed it to this guy you like, and he said it was really good, and he was completely lying because we probably paid him. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's no fucking way on earth that Tom Cruise actually thinks The Flash is good. No, like, but no. he will do it to like save movies, I guess. Um, I don't even but believe then Lee that was... happened. I don't even believe that happened. I think he probably did watch it, and I think so. I think twenty people. <laughs> turned around as soon as the lights went up and said, so Tom, what do you think? And he was, and he was like, like, oh yeah, it was yeah, great guys. Good yeah, job. thanks. I gotta go now. Make a it's, real movie. I guess that's one of like the three movies we know <laughs> Everyone Tom Cruise has seen. Is The yeah, Flash seri- now. Seri- seriously. Um, um, so is The Flash bad? Of course it's bad. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. watch it. It's, 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 it's a movie that you can tell was um in trouble <laughs> made by three different regimes yeah like that's definitely present i will say there's some there's some very good actually good things in it um but it's all kind of wrapped in a bunch of bullshit um it's not a horrible i think we're movie. watching a cam tonight okay i like batman in it uh uh michael that's Keaton. everyone says he's the best he's so much fun and they're doing a multi multiverse again no yeah this because this is the because this is the end basically it's kind of an interesting one of the things I was reading about is that it's like all of this stuff that is like, you know, nostalgia and like, look how fucking cool this shit is. But then you kind of know that like, well, there's a completely different guy doing it now. He's firing everybody who right. like worked on these. So like, who gives a shit? Like, right. yeah. none yeah. of this matters. If in some way these movies like 
exist to set up other movies, but you know that the movies that come out to, after this won't have anything to do do with this shit, then who yeah. cares? There's definitely a sense that, like, this is over. <laughs> um, um, which is interesting. I've heard that... I've heard that Ezra Miller is, like, good. I've heard that there's, like, yeah. some cute parts, but... Yeah. And that maybe it's, like, not the worst DC movie, but that's not really saying... No. ...much, no. I know, and it I... opened worse than Black Adam, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I walked out of it just being like, all right, well, that's done. Um, yeah. Yeah, but uh, you're right, there is a... a re they marketed the fuck out of it because they couldn't use Ezra Miller. So you've got fucking... Michael Keaton, who's in 25 minutes of the movie or whatever, you've got him doing the press tour. Um, and Tom Cruise. <laughs> and Tom Cruise, apparently. And this first yeah. reaction thing has been like, that's been a thing that's going on for a while. And mm -hmm. it's like, let's get all of these fucking YouTube fanboys in a room to watch our movie. Let's come out and spend 45 minutes shaking their hands, telling them how yeah. how happy we are they could make it. And then and then let's dare them to say one bad thing about the movie. Well, and it's like, yeah, it's famous. Like, if you give people free tickets to a movie and make them feel like they're going to a premiere, odds are they will like the movie. Yes, it's of like course. actually it's fucking bullshit. Like, I remember my friend got to go. There's one one exception that I know happened. My friend got like free tickets to like a pre like a screening of um the. The Harry Potter one that's not Harry Potter. Okay. Secret Dragons or whatever the fuck it's called. Like Grindelwald. Like, yeah, he got free, he got like to see that like way before it came out when they were still kind of like fucking with it. Mm -hmm. And he was like everyone hated it. And then I saw another uh, Jenny Nicholson talked about going to one of those and like people were leaving. And these were like Harry Potter fans. <laughs> yeah. Were, like invited to a free screening, <laughs> fucking. Walking so, out of the movie because it sucked so much. So, that's so good. that's the so that's if you you can kind of read between the lines and some of those or those first reaction like Twitter threads or whatever the fuck. Um, and it's like if a movie is overwhelmingly positive, it means nothing. But if a movie gets mixed, yeah, then you know it's a huge pile of shit for sure, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you'll never yeah. see outright negative. But it's just like I feel like what I would do. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, if I was trying to market a movie now, like in the, with the internet, the climate and all like the fanboys and stuff, Twitter and everything, I think the more secrecy that you could, yes. like, you can only do this if it's something that people are interested in. For if you sure. do it with like an indie movie, it's, you're just dead. And yeah. I but think like, if it's good, it ha your movie has to actually well, be good and no, most movies But aren't. I think even if I had, let, well, let's say I had The Flash and say, tell me to market The Flash. I would be a secret, like you would do it like Star Wars. Yeah. Like the Star Wars uh, the Lucas, the second Lucas trilogy. Like mm -hmm. you just be like, nobody like the script was, you know, we all had to sign our lives away. So mm -hmm. like they would, they could ship us to, you know, uh, I don't know, the Congo if we told him or whatever, just like I would build secrecy. If I had a really shitty mm -hmm. superhero blockbuster, cause all they care about is the opening weekend. So as long as you mm -hmm. get everybody to go and then the word of mouth is terrible, it's like, well, it's going to drop off 70% the next week anyway. So like, you know, that's what I would do. But yeah, it's why it, it's why it annoyed either. me with the Oppenheimer one in particular because Oppen Oppenheimer is already coasting off Barbie, so it's got actually like meme internet buzz right now. Yeah, and it's a Nolan movie, so like they're certain like they'll get people will fucking see it, and it's I actually believe it's probably very good, but then it's weird to me then to send the director out to be like, 
yeah, I really fucking, I think I really topped myself with this <laughs> or whatever. And yeah. like, yeah. yeah, people are like, you know, people are really crying when they leave the theater. And I'm just like, yeah. shut up. Like, just m- make a good movie and shut the fuck up. Like, so, God. I didn't even know. Yeah. So I I had heard Tom Cruise said the flash was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, though, I'm not privy to any of it. Like, I'm very out of these loops at yeah. this point. Um, so that is nice. I, but I, I will go see Barbie. I will go see Oppenheimer. I might even get a chance to go see uh, uh, the Wes Anderson movie this weekend. Oh, I can't yeah. What it's called. It's a good what it's a called? good good time. Um, Asteroid oh, did you see City. It? Asteroid no, City. I'm, yeah. No, I'm just saying it's a good time for movies. Oh, yeah. No, this this month, there's like finally some movies coming out. So but anyways, um, OK, well, thank you for joining us tonight, folks. Uh, slow motion triple feature was recorded under the poker table. Special thanks to our producer, Lee, the man in the booth who makes us sound great. If you'd like to contact us, please do so at slow triple at gmail dot com.